So about two years ago, we started meeting in my basement and talking about some of these ideas. And this summer, since it's been a couple years, some of you, I know even just tonight, you're moving, you're moving here to the city, you're new to the city, or you're going to move to the city, um, and you're just kind of checking things out, and you are interested in looking for a new church, or maybe you're just interested in Jesus and kind of coming back to church. I know that's a lot of the folks here that that's been your story, and we are talking about What is this idea? What does Jesus mean when he says that he comes to give life? And so this is what we've been spending the summer talking about. In the first four weeks, we talked about really our relationship with God. Then the next four weeks, we talked about our relationship with one another. And then these last four weeks, we've been talking about what is our relationship to the world? So what is what is our purpose? And this is uh, what we call true purpose. What 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 does it mean to live a life of purpose? And and here's kind of the big idea. For, for really all four weeks that we're talking about purpose, that our purpose is only going to be purposeful if it's connected to God's purpose. That's what true purpose is. There's a lot of ways you can live your life and say, look, my life has a lot of purpose. My life has a lot of meaning. And everybody wants that, right? I mean, no one wants to get to the end of their life and go, I'm glad that I wasted my life. I can die in peace now. No one wants that. Everybody wants to have a life of purpose. But to have a life that is truly purposeful It has to be connected to what God's purposes are. So that's the big idea. And we're kind of talking about several different angles of that, but that's really the big idea that we've been talking about. And last week, we looked at what Jesus said, where he says, the purpose of our lives is go make disciples. And and here's, I mean, I can't redo the whole sermon, so if you weren't here, I mean, the people would be mad if I spent two hours, so... um, But really what that is, is that God loves people. He cares for people and he wants people to enter into relationship with him and to know him and to experience life with him. And so his strategy for doing that is not just magic, but it's us. We're his strategy to do that. We're his strategy. Jesus says, as God sent me into the world, so I send you into the world. And that's where we get the word missionary from. The word missionary is a Latin word, um, missio, which means sent. So a missionary is somebody that is sent. That's why often when you think about a missionary, and even if you, um, you know, aren't, uh, aren't a Christian, even if you're not a Christian at all, you still probably have a concept of missionary, um, especially, you know, Mormons are kind of known for being missionaries, and they spend two years when they're kind of first just starting out, in, um, out, out of high school usually, or sometimes out of college, and they oftentimes go to another country, and they go be missionaries for a couple years. And so oftentimes when we think about missionaries, we think of somebody that is sent going to another country, especially to Africa and India and places like that. Okay, that's, that's where we kind of think about what a missionary is, is someone that is sent. But Jesus says, actually, we're all missionaries. We're all people that have been sent, sent into the world to be a part of God's purposes, to be a part of God's mission. And that's where we find our purpose is when it's connected to his purpose. So this is, this is what we talked about last week. And here's, here's the thing. If you were listening, then that's really scary. I mean, because he, let, me, let me even just read the verse again that we looked at last week. Here's what Jesus says. And think about how all-encompassing this is. Jesus came and said to them, this is his disciples. This is after he died and resurrected. He gathers them on the mountain And he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So so he's got 12 Jews that he's gathering in Jerusalem on this little mountain. And he says, I want you to go everywhere, the whole world. I mean, that. so if I said that to just us, that'd be kind of scary. And we have cars and planes and the Internet. But he just has 12 Jews on a mountain saying, I want you to go into the whole world. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So here's, here's just a question. Is this even possible? Because if, if you're listening as we're talking about this stuff, it's scary. I mean, we talked about the first week that our purpose is to be a community of blessing. So we're supposed to live our lives saying, how can I bless other people? And that God wants to bless the whole world. God wants to bless the whole world. And his strategy is to create a community of blessing. But that's scary, right? To say, wait, I'm going to reorient my life around being a blessing? What about my time? What about my money? And then last week we talked about Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. I mean, that's kind of scary. I mean, so 
so when I was a little kid, and I don't know if you grew up in the church, I grew up in the church, okay? And we always heard about missionaries. And missionaries were these superhero people that were in jungles, okay? That's basically what I thought. And once in a while, a missionary would come and speak at the church, and they would talk. But I remember always hearing these crazy stories of missionaries in other countries, and they always were getting killed. That was the stories. Or they magically were escaping, not getting killed. So, you know, they got skinned alive, but they were still able, I'm not even joking, got skinned alive and able to escape and go 1,500 miles or something. You know, that, that part maybe is my little kid brain remembering, but go several miles and still survive. And that's what I was always hearing about missionaries, these people that would go into other countries and they'd almost die or they did die. And so anytime you meet a missionary, it's, how are you even alive? Like, I didn't even know. How do you have your skin still on? This is crazy. But missionaries are people that die. And that's what my concept was as a little kid. Missionaries are people that die, basically, or risk, risk it all. I didn't understand then that Jesus calls all of us to be missionaries because that didn't make sense. But here's what I did get right. Missionaries are people that risk a lot and that are willing to die. Now, the truth is that we're all called to be missionaries here. Maybe some of you are supposed to go, but we're all called to be missionaries just in our life. And it is a calling to die. So when Jesus says things like go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, if we are paying attention, that should be scary. And when Jesus taught on that, he said things like this. Your family might abandon you, that you, um, you might get shamed, that you might get killed, that people will verbally attack you. These are things that Jesus taught when he talked about going into all the world, particularly in John chapters 13 through 17, that, that the world will hate you, that people will, people will actually think they're doing God a favor when they are harming you. So, I mean, Jesus talked about things like being ostracized by your family, being verbally attacked, being physically attacked, being put out of communities that you were part of, being looked down upon, being thought that you were crazy. And these are the kinds of things that Jesus said, that it would cost time and money. And these are all the same things that are actually true of our lives right now, that if you start to think about what does it mean to live as somebody that's a missionary that makes disciples, all those fears probably start to come in your mind. What will people think? What will people do? What will it cost me? What will I have to change? Those are the types of fears. If we're listening to what Jesus actually says that should stir in our hearts. And so part of the question that we look at, is this even possible? Jesus gives this crazy, huge, worldwide calling. Is it even possible? Should we even attempt it? Since it is something that is scary. We should, because Jesus says we should. But what do we need? Because if this is, if this is kind of, um, if this is supposed to be what you live your whole life doing, if this is what your purpose in life is, is to be a part of God's purpose, to see, to be, to live your life as a missionary. And again, if you weren't here last week, go online. But we're supposed to live our lives saying, "I'm sent by God into this world to help other people know Him." And experience his love. That's scary. So what do we need for that job? What do we need? And, may, and maybe the answer is Jesus, right? That's always the Sunday school answer. Jesus, that's the answer always to every question. You're at least going to shoot 9 out of 10 if you do that. So what do we need? Jesus, right? But here's the reality. Do you see Jesus? I don't. I mean, he's not here, right? I mean, Jesus said, I'm leaving. So wouldn't it be nice if we had Jesus here for the mission? I mean, think about people in your life that, that don't know God. Wouldn't it be nice if you could knock on their door and have Jesus with you? Be like, hey, I just want to introduce you to somebody. His name is Jesus. Yeah, right, that's not Jesus. Really? Well, do you have, do you have something, you know, you have a Lunchable that he could multiply and feed 5,000 people with? You have some water? Because he could walk on it really quick. Or you go into your office and you've been trying to talk to people maybe about Jesus and they all think you're a lunatic and you go, hey, hang on, let me just introduce you to Jesus really quick. Jesus, levitate all of them real quick. I mean, wouldn't it be easy if you had Jesus with you for the mission? But he left. Was he crazy? Like, why did he leave 
if, if his whole goal was, man, I want people to know me and to experience my love, why did he leave? I mean, even just think about when there's certain things in your life that you want wisdom for, right? Wouldn't it be easy if Jesus was just right there? Or there's certain things maybe you're struggling with, and, and wouldn't it be nice if you could talk with Jesus about that? I mean, I know you pray, but I mean, he could have just still physically been here. He was before. I mean, wouldn't it be nice? So what do we need to do this worldwide mission that Jesus is saying? We would think, man, wouldn't it be nice if Jesus was actually here? But, but here's something crazy that Jesus says. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. And then a little bit later, he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So if you told me that anybody else had said this, I would say, heresy, impossible. Jesus says, people are going to do greater things than I did. I mean, do, you, do you believe that? Do you believe? So, so let me just, you are going to do greater things than Jesus did. You probably, I mean, doesn't that feel weird to hear that? Or what about this? It's better that Jesus left this earth. It's good that Jesus is not here with us. Do you believe that? Like, I mean, I, studying this, I mean, it feels like, oh, don't say that. I mean, what if we called our church, we do greater things than Jesus church? I mean, we would like be on the news at least, right? I mean, like these guys are crazy. And then we'd go, no, look, he said it right there. Or what if we called our church, we're glad Jesus left church. I mean, people would think we were insane. We're glad Jesus left so we could do greater things than him church. I mean, it sounds bad, right? But it's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. So, what's the point? Well, he said this. He said, if I go, then the Father will send the helper. This is another word for the Holy Spirit. And if you keep reading, he talks about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, when I go, the Father will send the Holy Spirit. Okay, if you're new to Christianity, I can't uh, preach a whole sermon on this right now, but I'll just kind of tell you really quick that God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's what Christians call the Trinity. It's kind of a hard concept to understand that there's one God, but he exists in three persons. The best analogy I have ever heard is if you think of a marriage, they share one home, one bed, one last name, one bank account, but it's, it's still individual people. Now that's, that breaks down because those are actually two separate human beings, two distinct people, and we don't believe there's three gods, we believe there's one God who exists in three persons. So if you go, that's weird, that's okay, but it's true, and it is weird, okay? But Jesus says this, if I go, the Father will send the Helper, the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the Holy Spirit, if you've been in the church for a while, people don't really understand him. Because what, what comes to your mind if I say a word like Holy Spirit or Spirit-filled we usually think of, oh, like crazy feelings and music. Oh, that music is really spirit-filled music. And, or you think of someone really disorganized. Well, I'm just going to go where the Spirit says. So the Holy Spirit doesn't know what a calendar is, and he doesn't know, you know what planning is. He's just like, oh, the Spirit. And that's a lot of times what people think of when they think of the Holy Spirit. So people a lot of times say things like, man, I'm just going with the Spirit. And, and it's like, the, the, the hippie part of God is what people kind of think. Like the Holy Spirit definitely lives in Boulder, right? Like it's just the Holy Spirit, man. Um, but that's not, so is that what Jesus meant when he, was, when he was saying, man, I've got this mission for you all to complete, and so you're going to need this really disorganized, crazy guy. That's what you're going to need. No, that's not what he meant. Because here's, here's the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Acts. So Acts is the book that tells the story of really the church kind of getting started. When Jesus is about to leave, here's what he says to his disciples. 
while staying with them, so this is talking about Jesus and his disciples, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, that's the Holy Spirit, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this is very similar to go make disciples of all the world, right? So look what he says about the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? He gives power. That's the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit's role is, is to give us, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, the Bible teaches that when you become a Christian, God comes and dwells inside of you in the Holy Spirit. Why? Not to just make you feel good and be able to sing songs better and, and, to, and to be disorganized. God fills you with the Holy Spirit to give you power for the crazy mission that he's calling us to. Because the mission's crazy, Right? That's why the first thing that he tells them is, don't do anything. Like, that's the first thing he says. You heard, he says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. That's the first thing he says. He says, hello, I've died and I've resurrected. And here's my first instruction. Don't do anything. Sit down. Wait. And some of them were probably like, let's go. No, you will ruin it. Shut up, sit down, and just wait. And then I'm going to give you power. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And here's what didn't happen. The Holy Spirit didn't come. And then they just sat around going, whoa, this feels awesome. No, the Holy Spirit came and it gave them power to go do the mission that he called them to do. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's why Jesus said, wait, hold on a second. I'm going to come inside. I'm going to dwell inside of you and fill you with power for the crazy mission I'm calling you to do. See, God doesn't just say, I've got a crazy mission for you. He says, I've got a crazy mission for you, and I'm going to go with you. I'm going to give you power to do it. Because, again, if you listen to the mission that Jesus calls us to, it is scary. If it doesn't scare you, you're not really paying attention. But if you pay attention, it's scary. It might cost you your life. It's scary. It might not cost you your life. It might just cost you people making fun of you. But that's scary, too. It might cost you your family. It's scary. So Jesus says, I will give you power. I will give you power. Wait, and the Holy Spirit will come. He will fill you. You will receive power. And then you can be my witnesses. Then you can go make disciples. Jesus, when he came to this earth, when he began his ministry, it says that the Holy Spirit filled him, which I know is kind of weird if you go back to the Trinity. Well, wait a minute, but that's what it says. And when he began his ministry, it says he stood up in the synagogue, the Jewish church. He stood up and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news. That's how he began his ministry. So Jesus, everything that Jesus did, the feeding of the 5,000, the walking on the water, the preaching, the healing, everything he did. Think about all the different things you learned in Sunday school. All of it. If you grew up in the church. If you didn't, think about just crazy, awesome things, okay? All of that, Jesus did because the Holy Spirit was filling him. But we have that same Holy Spirit. The Bible says this, and this is kind of crazy to think about. The Holy Spirit is how Jesus raised from the dead. And the Bible says this in Romans, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. So the power to raise people from the dead, and I'm not saying go out and raise people from the dead, but I'm saying the same power, the same God that raised Jesus from the dead, that same spirit is dwelling inside of you if you're a Christian. Now that's crazy, right? But that's the kind of power we need if we're called to go into all the world and be missionaries like Jesus was. See, the Holy Spirit is a missionary. He's a disciple maker. He is one with power. The Holy Spirit is always on mission. 
The Holy Spirit is always about God's purposes. The Holy Spirit is always seeking to draw people to see how loving and awesome Jesus is. And so when he comes and dwells inside of you, he is then pushing us out towards that same thing. Always. You don't have to urge him to do it. You don't have to ask him to do it. If, if you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you and he is moving out. That's what he's doing. That's his job. That's what he does. He's, he gives us power and he is moved. Because here, I mean, here's what this means. Don't think about it in some sort of weird, magical thing. God loves people, right? He loves people. He is passionate about people knowing him. He is passionate about people being blessed by him. He is passionate about people experiencing community. He's pa- God loves people. And if God himself is to come and dwell inside of you, that passion is moving towards other people. That's what it means. So Jesus said, we're called to this crazy calling, but we are filled with the Holy Spirit. What we need is his power. What we need is God himself with us. And Jesus said, when that happens, you'll do greater things than he did. Because you'll be a part of seeing people come to know him. And and I don't think Jesus just meant one individual will do greater things. I think he meant what we see has happened. Right? I mean, Jesus was one man in one location for 33 or so years. But if God's spirit indwells thousands and millions of people, greater things will happen. Right? Right? So what do we need? We need the Holy Spirit. We need God's power in us. And then God will keep doing crazy things. So so here's what we shouldn't do, okay? We should not go, man, think about what God did back then. Whether that's in the Bible or in your life. Christians are prone to that. We're prone to go, man, I think God did something really awesome when I was in college or when I was in high school. Or, man, God did something really awesome in the stories that I read in the Bible. God did something really great here. But Jesus says, look to the future, because I'm going to do greater things, because you have my spirit in you. So, again, it can sound crazy if Jesus wasn't the one that said it. But he says, you'll do greater things than me. And he says, it's better that I leave you. Because it's better, we think, if Jesus was right next to me, that'd be awesome. But Jesus says, no, it's better for me to actually be dwelling inside of you through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's actually better. Do you believe that? Do you believe that it's better for you that Jesus is not physically next to you? I think when I read the book of Acts, and if you've never read it, I encourage you to read it, but it talks about this. And it shows, I don't think they doubted that for a second. Because they saw God working within them and through them as they were a part of what he was doing. But here's why this is important, okay? Here's here's why this is so important. Because here's what this means. The Holy Spirit is always moving to be a part of God's purposes in the world. That's what he's doing. So Jesus says you will experience power as you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's where the Holy Spirit is always going. That's what he's doing. But here's what this means. If you as a Christian, if you're not a Christian, just listen to me talk to them for a second. But if you as a Christian, if you say, you know what, sometimes in my life, I don't feel God's presence. I feel bored. I don't feel joy. I don't feel, I don't feel life. I don't feel close to God. I feel like God is distant. I feel, um, I, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. You know why? Because you're not going where he's going. See, one of the greatest uh, promises that the Bible gives to us is that God is with us. 
And Jesus said it in the, in the verse that we looked at. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And at the very end, he says this, and I will be with you always. But that's not just this quote for a bumper sticker or a coffee mug or a t-shirt or to share on Facebook as an inspirational quote of the day. I'm with you always. He says that in the context of as you go on mission, as you go and make disciples, he's encouraging them, I'm with you. So here's what that means. You feel God's presence as you are going where the Spirit is going, which is on God's mission to make disciples. So if you go, man, I don't feel God's presence, and my life with God feels kind of powerless and kind of dry and kind of joyless, are you going where he's going? Are you a part of what he's doing? Because do you remember last week we talked about Hey, what if we were all missionaries in India? If you weren't here, we talked about it. What if we were all missionaries in India? Okay? And if we were missionaries in India, do you think we'd be praying? Yeah, we'd be praying. Because we would be feeling the need for it, right? We would be going, man, God, I I need you right now. I don't know what to do. Or would we be reading our Bible, you think, if we were in India? Missionaries in India? Yeah, because we'd go, God, I don't, man, what do we do about this? I need, God, help me. God, I want to know you. And God, what did people do like this when they faced something before or were discouraged and were going, God, I need you to speak to me because I need you. And I mean, you'd be reading your Bible if you were in India, right? And you'd be praying if you were in India. And you know what else would happen in India? You'd feel really close to the people you were with, right? I mean, have you ever been on a mission trip or have you ever been on a basketball team or have you ever been a part of any sort of team that had a mission? You get really close, right? Why? Because you're on a mission. If we all moved to India, I promise you, we'd all be best friends because we would be the only ones we knew. And we'd be going, man, we need each other, right? So community, reading the Bible, praying, I mean, feeling dependent on God, all of it starts to click into place when we go where God goes, which is on mission. Now that's in India, but again, we're here, and God still calls us to do the same thing here. See, this is so important because it's one of the keys to the Christian life. One of the keys to the Christian life and all the things that many of us struggle with is actually going where God's called us to go because that's when the Spirit is working in power Helping us to go, man, God, I need you. Helping us to remember how much he loves us. I mean, all these different things start to click into place. I mean, I see this happen all the time. I talk to people that go, okay, I'm going to start doing this. I mean, and if you do it, you'll see it, okay? So just take me up on it if you don't believe me. People go, okay, I'm going to start doing this. And then they start to live life as a missionary. And then it gets hard. And they end up in a conversation with someone. And go, I have no idea what I'm supposed to say to this person. How can I help this person know that God loves them? How can I help answer the questions they have about God? How can I, I have no, what, what do I do? God, help me. And God starts to speak and God starts to give them words to say. And they feel like, wow, where'd that come from? Why? Because you're on mission. But if we just are sitting in our room going, man, God, I don't feel your power. You said you're with me, but I don't feel it. But Jesus says, as you go with me, as you're part of what I'm doing, then I am active in you. See, the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, is already in you, okay? I'm not saying he comes and goes. He's already in you. But to experience what he wants to do, you actually have to go where he's going and and not resist him because he's pushing us out. I think of it like this, that I think a lot of Christians, we can be, like jets that are just parked in a garage. So picture yourself as a jet. And you're parked in a garage. And you're kind of going, man, this, this feels kind of lame. I wonder if there's more out there. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm trapped. I don't, man, I, I, I want to feel something powerful. Maybe I can memorize things that are on the wall in this jet garage. Maybe I can study the roof, but I feel like there's not enough joy. I feel like I'm just kind of dry. And God would say, yeah, because that's not what you're made for. You're a jet. You're made to pull out of the garage. I don't know if jets are actually in garages, but you're meant to pull out of the garage and fly. 
and feel the wind in your jet hair and just go, right? <laughs> I mean, that's what you're made for. But I think a lot of us as Christians, we're just jets parked in garages. And we feel like, man, this is dry and there's not power and I wonder where God is. And God would say, it's because that's not what you're built for. You're not meant to be in a garage. You'll experience all the things that I've promised to you as you're going and doing what you're built for. Does that make sense? God says, I give you my spirit so that you will be filled with power to do what I've called you to do. So you want to feel my presence, you want to feel close to me, you want to feel life, you want to, feel, you want to, you want to, be a, you want to see awesome things happen. It doesn't happen just as you're sitting in your room or even here on a Sunday. It happens as we go, God, I'm going where you're going and everything clicks into place. That's why this is so important. See, I mean, even just something like this, one of the very important things that we need to learn in our life as Christians is that God is so much bigger than us and we're dependent upon him, that we need him, right? Because we're always facing this battle between I'm God or God is God. That's the core of sin. The core of sin is this self-centeredness that says I'm the most important. And so we're kind of always in this battle between am I God or is God God? But you know what? That core battle if you go out and start to live as a part of God's mission, you start to feel, I'm weak. I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. It starts to humble you. And so even that, even something like that, one of the core struggles, it starts to click into place. See, if you don't need supernatural power for your life that you're living, if you don't need supernatural power for the life you're living, you're not going where God is going. And I'm not talking about you need power to like walk on water, but supernatural power to say, God, I need you. Supernatural power to say, Lord, give me the words to speak. God, help me to forgive. God, help me. I mean, things that, that we really need something outside of ourselves to help us. That's why when you go following God on his mission, everything starts to click into place. You go, I need community, I need to read the Bible, I need to pray, I need you, Jesus, help me. You start to realize more the sin that you have in your life, and so you're more forgiving and more seeing how gracious he is to you, and the gospel becomes more real. His love becomes more real because you're seeing, man, I keep messing this up. But then you see, man, but he's so good that he would still love me, and everything just starts to click into place. That's why this is so important. Here's what the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit makes the love of God real to your heart. The Holy Spirit makes the love of God real to you. And he says, look how much the Father loves you. Look how much he loves you. And that is the power, because as you're experiencing that, that, as it becomes more real and more real and more real, you go, I've got to help other people know how much he loves them. And I've got to love them like he loves them. And so it pushes you out. Okay, so. Finally is this. How do we know what we are supposed to do on his mission? So God says this. I want you to be a part of my purposes in the world. My purposes are to make disciples my purpose is for you to be a missionary. That's what God says. In order to do that, we need his power. We need the Holy Spirit. But how do we know what we are supposed to do on his mission? Because that's a big mission, right? And there's a lot of things that could be done. But not everything is something that you're supposed to do. Right? Think about all the good things in the world that, that we could do to be a part of God's mission. Going to India was one of them, right? Go, man. Why aren't we going to India? It sounds like everything would be awesome if we went to India. We'd all be best friends. We would love Jesus. Like, why are we here? Maybe you should go to India. But that's not what we're all supposed to do, right? So how do we know what we are supposed to do as a part of God's mission? We all are called to God's mission, but how do we know what we are supposed to do as a part of God's mission? We're God's strategy. How do we know exactly what it is that we're supposed to do? 
And let me give you three, three ways to think about that. The first is this. You just have to have a posture in your heart of saying, God, it's all yours. That's where it starts. You have to start saying, God, okay, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And so here's my life. What do you want to do with it? That's where it starts. Have you said that to God? Have you, are, you, are you willing to put all your dreams and goals and plans and time and money and talents and experiences on the table and just say, God, I'm yours. What do you want? Are you willing, have you prayed that? And are you willing to do that? Because that's where it starts. If we say, God, I want to be a part of your purposes. I want to be a part of your mission in this world. We have to start with just a heart posture that really means that. If we want to know what our part is in his mission, we have to start with just a humility that says, God, my life is yours. It doesn't belong to me. I'm not just giving you Sunday. I'm giving you everything. It's all yours. What do you want? That's where we have to start. See, Jesus says that to come follow him is to die. He says, lay down your life and then you'll find it. Lose it and then you'll really experience what it is. Be willing to die and that's where you'll really find life. You know, some of the greatest missionaries have known this. There's a a man, a famous missionary named Jim Elliott who went to a tribe in South America that was... I mean, nobody really had access to that tribe. And he went down there saying, God, I'm yours. I want to I see these people come to know you. And he ended up dying, him and several of his colleagues. They were speared to death. I think you can watch the documentary of it on Netflix. And then his wife actually moved into that village with the people that killed her husband. And eventually, pretty much the whole village came to know Jesus. And one of the famous quotes that Jim Elliott said was this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So you're not a fool if you say, I'm willing to give away my life. If you're willing to give away what you can't actually keep to gain something that you will never lose. That 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 was the motives of his heart that led him to be, man, I'm willing to go somewhere and even get speared to death. So here's the question. As you begin to go, what's my part in God's mission? Have you just put it all on the line? Have you said, God, it's all yours? And just offered that up to him. Now, he might keep you exactly what you are, doing exactly what you're doing, but he might not. I mean, when people pray this kind of prayer, That's what leads to the kind of thing of, man, I'm going to the jungle. It's what leads to the kind of thing of, man, I'm going to start a nonprofit. Church I was a part of before, we started a nonprofit into sex trafficking ministry to help help, uh, Seattle. It's one of the highest rates of underage trafficking. So people willing to say, man, I'm just, God, it's, it's all on the line. What do you want? Or it leads to saying, God, it's all on the line. What do you want? You know what I'm going to do? Some, some of you that were here from the beginning, that, that was something crazy. Of, I'm going to be a part of a tiny little church that's getting started. I'm going to leave a church I'm a part of to go help start something new. I mean, for us, it was moving out here in the first place. God, I'm laying it all on the line. Just willing to come out here. I mean, I don't know what it will be for you. It might be something crazy, and it might be something that is just, okay, I'm going to actually talk to this person. Or you know what? I mean, I've, I've had friends that before that have said, I'm giving all of the money that I've saving up for my European vacation, I'm giving all of that to fund this nonprofit cause. I mean, it could be anything, okay? But I'm just saying, have you done that? And this isn't just like a one-time thing you do. It's, it's something that is a, it's an ongoing, like, God, my life is yours. If we want to be a part of what God's doing, if we want to be a part of his mission, do we have the heart posture that says, it's all yours. I'm laying it all down. Only then is when we see what Jesus actually said, is that, man, greater things will happen. Greater things will happen. That's number one. Number two is this. We obey what God says. 
So how do we be a part of God's mission? Sometimes, when, when we talk about things like this in the church, sometimes what happens is this. We go, okay, I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to go to India. I'm going to start. Okay, maybe. But you know where we start? We start with going, God, what have you already said? See, the Holy Spirit wrote a book. That's what the Bible says. The Holy Spirit says that God, the Spirit, carried men along as they wrote this book. So if you're not a Christian or, or you, know, you don't know what you believe and you kind of wonder, man, why do you believe the Bible? Wasn't it just written by a bunch of men? It was. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit carried them along. And I'm totally willing to talk more about that as if that's kind of confusing, but that's what it says. It says that the Holy Spirit wrote a book. So if you want to hear from God, what's my part on his mission? Sometimes we think, okay, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What do you want? And okay, do that. But start with, the Holy Spirit wrote a book, and he said to do a lot of things already. He said, love your neighbor. I mean, don't, don't go try to love Indians if you haven't loved your neighbor, unless Indians are your neighbor. Don't go try to start a nonprofit for, for teens that are in sex trafficking if you're still looking at porn. Start there. I mean, that, like, start with what the Spirit has already said to do in the book that he wrote. And as we do that, it's kind of like riding a bike, that we are just obeying, following God. And then as we're just going along, doing what he's already said, he may go, hey, I want you to turn this way. And he guides the bike. I've heard a pastor say before that God steers moving ships. Or to go back to our jet, we can say God steers flying jets. God's not going to direct you if you're just parked in the garage. Get out and fly. Do what he's already said to do. And then you may feel the spirit go, hey, I actually want you to direct that energy over here. I want you to love these neighbors. And then finally, we use the gifts that God has given to us. So we have to have a posture that says, God, I'm yours. All of it's yours. Do what you want. Have you prayed that prayer? If not, I encourage you to pray that even tonight. Second is that we obey just what he's already told us to do and then he will often guide us. And then third is we use the gifts that God's given to us. Here's something really cool. I think it is. God's designed you for his mission. So you've got unique experiences. You've got unique personality. You've got unique facial features. God designed you for his mission. There isn't a kind of missionary. God designed you for his mission. He gave you experiences that you've had in your life. He gave you personality characteristics. He gave you the way you look. He gave you the hobbies you like. He, he designed you for his mission. The Bible talks about it saying that there are things that God prepared for you to do before you were even born. He prepared good things for you to do before you even were on this earth. That God said this, you know what? I need you right here, right now. That's what it says. God determines the times and the places that we live. And beforehand, he determined good things that he had for us to do. So he said, you know what? You know what I need right now? I need Steve. I need Brett. I need Jeremy. I'm just naming some of you. I need Grace. I need Jocelyn. He needs everybody, okay? So, but he, that's what he did. He designed us and said, I'm putting you here in this place to be my missionary, and I'm designing you in a special way for that. That's what it says. So God's given us gifts to be a part of his mission. Here's... Um, Here's how Paul says it. The Bible teaches a lot on this, but here's just kind of one passage. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, the Spirit's the one that gives us those gifts to empower us for His mission. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God gives us gifts to use for his mission. How do you know what yours are? And we could talk a lot about that, but 
tell you just a couple things. One is, it's just an unusual effectiveness in what God calls everybody to do. That's most of the time what it is. You know, God calls everybody to, to, um, to be generous, and yet some people just love it, and they're really good at it. It's probably a, a gift of the Spirit working in you. And God calls everybody to be hospitable, and yet some people, man, everybody loves their parties. It's a gift. The Spirit's empowering. And God calls everybody to tell other people about Him, and yet some people have a special effectiveness towards that. God calls everybody to be merciful and to care about the least of these, and yet some people, God has empowered a strong, really strong heart for that and a giftedness in that. See, it's usually something that all Christians are supposed to do, but that God has given an unusual effectiveness in. That's one way you know. And it's, it's usually where your passions, things that you are just passionate about, things that you are good at, and things that other people have said, man, you are good at this, when those three things come together, you go, man, this is probably a way that the Spirit has empowered me in particular for His mission, which starts to give you a clue then, here's how I should use it. See, all three of those things, things that you are passionate about, things that you are good at, and things that other people have told you you're good at. That's the American Idol test. Things that other people have told you you're good at. Not that you just go, I'm awesome at this. Well, let's see what Simon says, okay? That's, that's kind of the first test. So things that you are passionate about, things that you have skill in, and things that other people have said, man, I see God work when you do this. Then we go, maybe this is a way the Spirit has gifted me, which then is maybe a way He wants to use me on His mission. And then the question is just this, so how can I do that? What's the most strategic way to do it? And we start small. That's what the Bible says. That he who's faithful with a little is faithful with much. So if God's given you a gift that you feel like, man, God's really blessed me to teach, then maybe teach children or teach one person. We start small and then see what God does with it. This is one of the ways you discern what it is specifically that God wants you to do on his mission. It's not something you're supposed to obsess about. Man, what are my gifts? What are my gifts? But just go, okay, God, how, do you, how can I be a part of your mission in this world? I can't do everything, but what is it that I'm supposed to do? So don't feel guilty for what you're, what you're not supposed to do, but what am I supposed to do? You start with a posture that says, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want, it's all on the table. Then you just obey what God has already said to do. And then you go, man, how has God gifted me? How do I see him working in my life that maybe I can use this in a strategic way? Whatever that might be. Man, think about those things. That's when we go, okay, we're actually seeing us do greater things than even Jesus did. So here's what I think. Okay, I think that within this church, if you're part of this church, God has given us everything that he wants us to have to be a part of his mission in this city, to love people. Whether that's things that are new, profit, new non-profits that get started, whether that's neighbors that are loved, whether that's people that are helped, whether that's people that are spoken to about Jesus, whether that's awesome parties that are thrown, whether that's new businesses that are started, Whatever it is, God has given everything that he wants in order for us to be a community of blessing. But are we saying, okay, God, following you, when we do, that's when we see him do greater things. And that's when just individually we start to go, man, it's all clicking into place. I'm learning more who Jesus is. I'm praying more. I'm dependent more. All of those things happen as we go where the Spirit's going. And he's going on mission. He's a part of God's purposes. That's what he's doing. So to just tie it all to a close. When we take communion, what we remember is the great lengths that God went to to be with us. So you know that um, you know, during Christmas time we sing a song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. 
And that word, Emmanuel, means God with us. So see, this is, this is part of the gospel, the good news, is that God would come to earth and be with us, people that are sinners, people that are self-centered, people that are selfish, that God would say, I'm coming to be with you. And he would live his life among us. And then he would give us his life. And then he would empower us and be with us in his spirit. And then one day he would take us to be with him forever. I mean, that's the great promise that God says, I will be with you. He came in Jesus. He's with us now in the Holy Spirit. And then one day we'll see him face to face. And the great lengths he went to to do that was to come to this earth, sacrifice himself on the cross to pay for the sin. He died the death that we should die. He lived the life that we should live. Why? So that he could be with us. I mean, think about how much love that is. And that's what we remember when we take communion. That his blood was shed, that his body was broken, so that we could be with him. And he wants that for us now, and he wants that for us into eternity. Life with him. That's the gospel. And we can experience that now as we're part of him being on his mission. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to this earth to be with us. Thank you that you sent your spirit to dwell within us, that you give us this great promise that you are with us. God, if any of us in here doubt uh, your goodness, or we doubt uh, your grace, or we doubt... We doubt um, we doubt your character. Thank you for the truth that you say you are with us. And even as we take communion, we remember how, how far, how, just how the, the great lengths you went to to be with us, to make us yours, that you were willing to give us your life, that you were willing to die so that we could be with you. Help us to see that love even as we sing songs and close our time together to, to just see how, how loving, how gracious you are. And I pray, Lord, that every, everyone in here would, would have a conviction in their heart to open their life to you, to open their hands to you, and to say, do what you want with me. And God, I pray that for our church just right now, that, that you would do what you want with us, Lord. Do what you want with us. You said that, that we would do greater things than you. You said it was to our advantage that you would go, and I pray that we would see the reality of that. That you would do great things as we submit our lives to you and obey you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.